Show's over. Turn it back around. Probably something more interesting over that way. <clears throat> but, Arbiter friend! Thank you. Oh, it's still warm. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Not! I'm sorry. Did you mean to suck? But, Arbiter friend! This crap! Arbiter, you are my hero. Chief, you may be the dumbest best man I've ever met. You had to be the hero, huh? Well, now you're dead. Now you're a dead hero. And you're actually forgotten. I can't even remember your name. Hello everybody, welcome to Halo Lorecast. This is the Primordium Part 2. This is going to be extremely different than what we usually do in two-hour like, episodes with our sports talk. Unfortunately, I fucked up my audio file, therefore you don't need the sports talk. Condensed version, uh, the Raiders sucked. Um, I predicted the, the Rams to blow out the Cardinals. That should have happened. And um, I also said the Rams suck, and then the Rams went into Arizona and won, so... I'm glad it got lost. <laughs> well, it, it helps cowboy seating, and that's that's basically the condensed version of it. We do have an ad to uh, give you guys, and it's not like a, an ad that we make money off of because we don't do that really on the Potawan Network until we do. Um, but this is a fundraiser that's supposed to help um, teachers get Star Wars books into schools for kids. So I'm going to go ahead and read this uh, this ad. We want to take you, oh God, we want to take a minute to tell you about a really great fundraiser that our friends over at Clashing Sabers are running right now. While Clashing Sabers has plenty of podcast and meta-analysis articles for you to enjoy, the coolest thing they do is use their nonprofit branch to put Star Wars books into classrooms across the country. A lot of fans can relate to having Star Wars books as a kid and how it helped shape their lives. And Clashing Sabers is working to continue that legacy, support teachers, and improve literacy across the country. Over years, they've been able to put a thousand books into classrooms and impact hundreds of students. But it takes wonderful Star Wars fans like those of you listening to make that happen. So right now, they are hosting their third annual holiday fundraiser to continue impacting students and teachers in a time when they really need it more than they ever have before. We'll have the link for you in our show notes, but you can head over to https colon forward slash forward slash go dot rally up dot com forward slash revenge of the reader. I'll have that in the description below and buy raffle tickets for the chance to win a ton of special prizes, including Light of the Jedi signed by Charles Soule. Great book. Art by Roberto Veniguez, also fantastic art, um, plus some signed memorabilia from Claudia Gray, also great. Delilah S. Dawson. Kevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin Scott, and Lama Sue actor Bob Bergen with 100% of your donations going directly to buying and shipping Star Wars books to classrooms. Your donation is also completely tax deductible. So you really have nothing to lose here. So head on over and help them reach your $2,000 goal. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Wait, wrong franchise. I will say that shipping costs have increased, so it should be like $5,000. That should be your goal. Go get $5,000. Go do it. So... Um, with that being said, we're just going to hop into, um, Primordium part two and our overall thoughts more so condensed, uh, this time around. So Tom, what were your thoughts on this part of Primordium? I don't even remember anymore. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, th hello darkness. My yeah. Like, you know, and I was going to, when you said Kevin Scott, I was going to jump in like I did yesterday, but I decided not to do that. Um, but yes, it was. It would, like, I think I said this yesterday. If you've ever read The Rising Storm from the High Republic Star Wars, it's a dark book, especially the end. Um, 
and it I think I said this portion that we read of Primordium would make Kevin Scott, the author of that book, blush because it was a empty, sinking feeling. And that's not to say that it wasn't good. It was extremely well written. It was amazing, but it feels very hopeless and dire. And where we left off, there is a glimmer of hope, but at the same time, like just everything feels just empty and just desolate, I guess is the best way I can put it. Yeah. I feel like uh like pretty much everything you said, like uh this 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 book feels almost joyless and random at times. There's like uh the way Greg Bears constructed all this is it seems like this adventure um is going in a certain direction where it's almost aimless and at one point it's almost happy and then they stumble upon like pretty much a like ghost of Christmas past, um, for lack of a better term. If you hear somebody coming in, that is my wife. That is my son. Say hi. Okay. Did they say hi? Um, or did you get ignored? Yeah. No, uh, Stetson's in a very end mood. He had to get a shot. Uh, um, they stump. <laughs> he's got operation. So I uh, had the tubes. You mentioned the tubes yesterday. Whatever. The ear tubes. Yeah, yeah. he... Uh, he they won't do the surgery unless uh he doesn't have a fever or sickness and so they're just giving him shots every day until then which you know uh yeah. <laughs> sucks but there's a part of this book where they basically run into the ghost of christmas past and uh everything turns upside down to where it's like okay so you're not stumbling upon this paradise and this circular uh, motion that is this halo. Instead, you're stumbling upon death and joylessness everywhere. And guess what? Riser's dead. And we know the the synopsis and the like early evaluation of this book and like the very thing that it opened with is we know that Chakas is a monitor. And Chakas outright rejects the notion that he should be scanned and basically put into the database of the forerunners. Um to have his own agency that Venevra has, you know, educated him and allowed him to have. But we know that it's basically for nothing because he's going to wind up a monitor anyway. He's going to wind up being scanned anyway. So there's just like this this shadow of joylessness. There's there's nothing happy or fun about it. It just feels enormously empty. And I think that was the main thing we really took away yeah. from. Or at least I took away from, you know, this part of the book. Yeah, I mean, like the first part of the book, like obviously there was the House of Pain that they were trying to avoid and running from. Um, but the Halo Ring itself felt like this like lush world with like life and possibility. And then we come to find out towards the end of this portion of the reading that it's actually just like this dead, decrepit place that is just biding <laughs> its time and is just done for. Like we run into Gene Mender, who is a forerunner, and as our three heroes are traversing um, throughout this Halo Ring in search of riser or the librarian or just really anything they're just on this aimless search it seems like but they run into this forerunner and this forerunner has a handful of humans with him um of various different types like various different hominids um through you know through the history of humanity um and it turns out basically you feel like oh they're getting somewhere here um but no it turns out it's just a monitor just projecting images of these imprints and it's just this 
I don't know, like, and and then you find out the world is dead, and the only, everything just felt like it went from, like, uh, like this lush, uh, like, I got kind of addicted to this idea of this, like, lush halo ring, Mm -hmm. and then it just was, like, the rug got addicted. Yeah, Yeah. like, I liked it. It was, it was kind of romantic in a way, like, very unique, and then the rug was just, like, immediately pulled out from underneath me and it's like oh there ain't shit here this place sucks you know and i don't it's it's fucking bonkers like the the roller coaster of emotions and i think i said yesterday like i don't know when you can actually legitimately feel something you know you're when you're reading something you like legitimately get like actual uh you know an actual emotional reaction um, that's yeah. fucking powerful, and like, there's not many books that do that to me. And when you get that emotional reaction, whether it's a, you know, like despair, like I kind of felt with this one, or it's happiness, or anything, you know, you're reading something that's worthwhile and good. And you know, that's why I read books for moments like that. And I had one of those moments yesterday with this book where it was just utter despair, but it was like a beautiful despair because this book is actually like getting through to me and making me feel something. Yeah, and I I didn't really I didn't at all make this analogy yesterday, but as you were talking and like kind of described the emotions that I was feeling while I was reading this. Reading this book is kind of like um listening to the Alice in Chains albums in chronological order. Like you listen to Facelift and you listen to Man in the Box and it's a beautiful song, it has a great melody and then you go into Dirt which is a depressing album about substance abuse and then jar of flies, which continues that. And then tripod, which is basically, um, almost like a goodbye. And there's nothing great about it. You use the word addicting, which is a great word because, um, that's what really brought me around uh, the Alice in Chains. It's like, you know, the very first time we see it, it's very lush. It's very great. It's, you know, it's great. It's like, you know, being hooked on that substance for the first time. It's wonderful. And then the longer you stay around it, it's like, wow, this kind of sucks ass. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's really there's really nothing like redeeming about this. And it's kind of like got its hooves on me. You know, it's like uh, the, their their aimless adventure winds up, you know, stumbling upon a grave mind, a clumped um, vessel of forerunner bodies just strung together um, in the other direction. You have the primordial wandering around like a slug and you know they wind up on a body of water that that they assume is Merce's or that again they might think it's a grave mind and once they find this paradise it's it's another dead end and they're just running into bad thing after bad thing after bad thing and it's almost like there's nothing redeeming about this it's like nothing is really meant to live here yeah nothing is meant to survive here and it's just this like depressing feeling that like just bugs the shit out of me reading this book because I actually cared about Riser and it sucks that he's dead because we never really got that much out of him. Um, you know, like we were hoping he was okay at the end of Cryptum because he's fucking great. And Chakas has really come around and really evolved into his own character um, until he's not able to. Yeah, I mean, and that's something we touched on yesterday was how with Gene Mender, Gene Mender basically wanted to the jig was up and Chaka started asking questions because he saw Riser speaking to him and like this is not good. And um, 
Venevra also was like, something's off. Like, something's not right here. I can't smell anything. Like, you can smell <laughs> because they were just projections. Um, but Chakis goes off and talks with Gene Mender. And Gene Mender is, you know, it, Gene Mender kind of gives like a, almost a summation of, um, of Kryptom. Like, you know, they, he, he gives like almost like a little yeah. book report on Kryptom for like half a chapter. And so I, I don't know if that was thrown in there as kind of a refresher for the readers or if like for some reason somebody decided to pick this book up first and was just like, <laughs> oh, OK, <laughs> this is what's going on. Um, but Chakas continues to probe him and ask questions like, well, what's the plan here? What's going on here? Blah, blah, blah. And eventually it, it comes out that um, – what Gene Mender is trying to do is make an imprint of Chakas, and he's just going to be, you know, relegated to being a monitor because the last direction from the librarian to Gene Mender was to make imprints of all these beings that are going to come to him. So, um, then, but like we see Chakas rebel against this, and it's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. You can't force me to do it. It's not in his programming to force him to do it. And Chakas like finally has this like leap of freedom from the librarian's plans and you're like oh god Chakas is really coming into his own here because we go back to Kryptom and met up with the didact with riser you know they went to the crater they released the didact all this stuff was just pre-programmed in him but finally he's like nah fuck that i'm not following this programming anymore and so it's like oh shit like there's some hope here but then you realize when you think about it like the narration is Chakas, thousands of years, I don't know how many exact years, into the future. But Chakas is not alive. He's an imprint in a monitor. And so it's just like his destiny, When even when you think he's like spitting in the face of it, he's really just spitting into the wind. It's coming right back in his face. And it's just like, well, how is it going to happen? And so it's, it's just all hopeless. It's all hopeless. Yeah, it really is. I will say that the monitor comment about like, the time it's modern day so um he's giving his summation in like modern day yeah like like uh, halo the, like like where we're at now like combat evolved era i'm guessing is when this is taking place um i would mm, um around halo 4 okay oh that's right these led up into halo 4 yeah but i mean yeah but you know way what? in the future like when the games the games are taking place so i mean this yeah. is the story he's telling is so fucking long ago so long ago I will say two two things. So the summary you did bring up. The one thing that's really, really cool about the summary, and for some reason it enthralled the fuck out of me. I have no idea why the writing's so good. Um, that they do like the basic plot synopsis of Cryptum, but they add in missing details. So like like Mendican Bias, like he talked to um, the Primordial and basically went insane and destroyed everything. Like Yeah, we just knew you know, and that yeah, was with Medican bias, we were just kinda like, What the fuck's up with this thing? And then this one they're like, Yeah, he's <laughs> kind of in league with the uh primordials, so that's what was going on there. Because when you read Cryptum, you're just like, Oh, well, this fucking thing, this Ancilla just went ape shit, you know, and I you don't really <laughs> literally. get it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and and something um that this whole thing reminded me of, uh um I keep wanting to say Jerry Mander. It's not Jerry Mander, it's uh Jesus Christ. What's this uh, monitor's name? Um, Gene Mender. Gene Mender. Gene Mender for yeah, short. He Gene had a Man full, like, formal forerunner name. I to say I'll find it here. Jerry Mander. I'm going to find it while you talk here. So Gene Mender and um, Chakas. One thing this really reminded me of and like um, was the cave allegory. Like, it's very Socratean. Like, the way that Chakas is 
absolutely questioning every single thing. It's like it's almost like um some basic principles of like the Matrix and the Socratean method is like the truth will set you free or will it or ignorance is bliss. It's the very fact that he keeps asking like all these questions in order to kind of break the chains of like bondage, assuming, of course, that um, freedom implies choice. But, um, you know, as as we learn later on, that doesn't necessarily mean you're free. It just means, you know, we're in, we're in the whims of other people who might have like a higher authority on choice. So I'll leave that there. I went a little bit too far into that. I got, uh, I got, I got the full Gene Mender name. If you're name. ready for it, it's Gene Mender Folder of Fortune. Lovely. He's a life worker. Forerunner life was a forerunner life worker. Now it's just a fucking projection of him. Um, it can't. It can't be forerunner fortune teller. It's got to be Folder of Fortune. Yep. Folder of Fortune. Seems a fitting name for the kind of work he's doing, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, his fortune did fold. Yeah. He didn't complete his mission. Yeah, <laughs> it was. He was a. He was an interesting guy. He did not complete his mission though. And then there's that really sad moment. I think I mentioned it yesterday, um, where his monitor kind of is like after Chakas rebels, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And Chakas goes back to speak with um, Gamblepar and Nevra to plan their next steps. Follows him. Goes out there and just kind of stops in the field outside of the hut that they're in. And Chakas uh, sees him just kind of like the monitor just shut and power down because it has no purpose anymore. Like it failed its mission. Yeah. It's just it's a depressing line like this. It's it's sad, really. Um, but, yeah, we do lose Gamblepar as well, we should mention. Uh, yeah, we lose Gamblepar. And I think my initial reaction to what you just said yesterday was, yeah, it's just sad all over because um, the thing about Gamblepar is he can't lie, and he also is trying to complete his mission. So, you know, he, he can only offer him the truth, which is, listen, I can save Gamblepar and scan him. Well, what are the perks about being scanned? Um, well, you your imprint will last forever. Okay, but the power's running out to the station. That is correct. Okay, then convince me. And Gamblepar, in reply to most of this, stays quiet because he can't lie. Like He just can't. You know, he's there to do his thing, and if you will not do it under your own free volition, then he's basically at a loss. Yeah. And so... This, this, these books are about like tempting fate and choice and whether you have the choice and cryptum it was well you you have a choice really you do have a choice but the didact's kind of manipulating you into not having a choice and here we see oh chakas has a choice but you know eventually he might not have one assuming of course if you know when he's put as a monitor it's not under his volition but just like this idea of not being able to choose or it's just sad. All of this is sad. You know, <laughs> it's like a fulfill your destiny. No, nobody's fulfilling any destiny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say this for Camelpar though. Like he refused to get an imprint done and he died under his own, you know, he died under his terms. He, you know, he didn't want to get an imprint done. He refused. He said goodbye to Venevra, um, and he did tell um, Chakas Venevra's real name, which we haven't found out yet. But um, he died under his own terms, and that was—I mean, if you want to take anything of 
you know, any kind of like good vibes from what we read, I think that would be it. Like he is gone and his imprint was not made. And so he, you know, died a free man. He, he, you know, he actually broke that chain. He didn't allow an imprint to be made of him. So I think that's one positive to take away from this. I think the most depressing thing I can say about the positive to keep the mood down. I want to keep the mood down because this book is sad. It's a sad book. Is that that is that is the high the high point of this book. If that is happiness, that is the high point. Yeah. <laughs> so Well, you know we can just stay sad and keep it down. I'm just kinda curious <laughs> how Chakas with this new fit of independence and just grasping his autonomy like how it's going to fall apart from here. Like it, I have a feeling it's going to be sad <laughs> um, if, you know, uh, uh, so I'm just kind of curious of what it's going to be. Like, what's it going to look like? Um, and also like, what's the primordial going to do on his weird disc flying around with, you know, <laughs> like what's going to happen with the primordial? Because I mean, they're getting away from it, but you know, I have a feeling it's not just going to sit at the House of Pain. Like, it's going to consume everything on this ring is how I feel about it. So I'm just kind of curious what's going to happen there. That should be interesting. So so a question I do have for you is how do you feel about going from Cryptum, which is largely didact-focused, I mean, we can say that, uh, to going into this, which is not didact-focused at all, um, into Salentium, which it will be the heaviest didact because he's on the cover. Like, how do you feel about going from, like, heavy didact to little man Chakas? Like, the change of pace and everything. I feel... I like it. Like, the first part of the book was just a lot of, like I said, kind of like a lot of descriptive stuff about the ring itself. Uh, we did get the Primordial, the House of Pain, and getting the hell away from there. But a good chunk of what we read so far has just kind of been, like, their fucking, like... Milo and Otis adventure you know just like walking and just like heading through this dense forest and then like coming across a boat and going to this village and seeing the grave mine like it was more of just like an adventure novel um um and then all of a sudden like what happened when we get to this forerunner village um this this uh life shaper village that is no longer really alive uh it obviously changed things quite a bit and the novel went from like zero to 60, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy the first part. Like I love like, um, I love that kind of adventure vibe where you don't know what's coming next as they go forward on this unknown area. So I, I've actually kind of liked it quite a bit. I, I don't mind getting away from the kind of, uh, what's a good word for it. Uh, the forerunner dogma, I guess, of just like, oh, we're going to do a mutation here. You're a, this is your rank and class, you know? And, like, I love sci-fi, and I did love Cryptum. Um, but it it was a welcome change after the heaviness of just all the titles and just things that they would throw out there, and you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, I, I think it's been a welcome change, and, you know, uh, that especially that first half, for the most part, was just kind of, it was a peaceful read, and then all of a sudden, nope, not anymore. But I enjoy it. I like it. Yeah, I could see, like, crypt if cryptum was, like, uh, basically what it means to be a forerunner, this is, like, what it means to be a yeah. human. You know, especially in this world. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's and what I liked about Gamelpar so much, was just, like, the, the, the humanity 
of Gamelpar and the way Gamelpar died. Like yesterday, I don't even think I mentioned it, but now as I've like ruminated on a little more, like yeah, it was still super depressing, but I am taking some solace in just the way Gamelpar went out. Like I, I really kind of got addicted to that old man. I'm not addicted, but, you know. It, um, but just I liked it was a he was a peaceful comfort character to have around, and I'm I'm glad at least he went out on his own terms because. You know, the writing was on the wall with him as soon as you met him. Like, it, they're constantly talking about how tired he looked. And, like, he got stop and he's just, like, run down. He doesn't have much yeah. time left. So, yeah. Even the Lord of Admirals was commenting. Oh, the fucking Lord of Admirals. The yeah. man who's about to die. Oh, he's he's great. What's funny, one thing I didn't mention yesterday, but uh, I had a note, is, like, um, they're talking about how the water they're on is salt. And is like, well, how... Why is the water salt? It's like because the gods piss salt. And um, there was a comment that was made where it's like, oh, um, it's a backhanded comment the Lord of Admirals made. It's like, oh, so the gods can do this, but, you know, they piss salt. It's just ah, something yes, that the was pissing small, salt was a funny line. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I marked that down, but I forgot. Yeah. Yes. I wish I remember the one line. I think you read it yesterday. Um. I think it was Chakas talking about like all of this stuff that they created, and yet simple and false. Yeah, I can't remember these. Simple and false. Everything here, bad. Um, everything here had been manufactured by Forerunner. So basically, nothing is real on this on this ring. Nothing. Yeah, but yeah, this is like their little science experiment, and it's failing. <laughs> yeah, it's been failing. You know, they didn't take the Didax advice, and now the Didax's an asshole. So. You know, yeah. Um, but I mean, where we leave off is basically Riser about to commemorate his own obituary, which is really fucking. Yeah. Depressing. So we, yeah, um, we left off with they're going to be the the memory of Riser is going to be telling them what happened to him. <laughs> so, um, it's him giving his own speech at his own funeral. Yeah. Uh, Riser fell into a hole. Very did bad. have some good Riser lines too. I mean that, and he also had um. Well, the one with the so there's there's like out of all the all the in this four, this life shaper village that they went to uh, with Gene Mender that turns out to be just a bunch of imprints and just holograms. There is this giant ape, and it's like the last of its kind. Uh, Mara is its name, and <laughs> like Riser does have a funny line like the ape was smarter than you. I can't remember the exact line, but he said like the ape is smarter than you to fucking. Uh, to Chakas, and it's just like, yeah, the the ape is smarter. But yeah, this giant ape was really taken to like uh, Gamelpar and Venever, just carrying them around. They didn't have to walk anymore for a long time. The ape was just like carrying them on her shoulders. It was fucking, it was kind of fun. I like the ape. I feel bad for the ape though. Like the last of its kind yeah. on this dead fucking Halo ring. It's depressing. And one of one of the biggest points of contention with Moro was the fact that, and even uh, Gam not Gamble part, damn it, Jerry Mander, G Gene Mander, I gotta say that to find the word. Um, one of the things Gene Mander mentioned was like, hey, when the power runs out in this installation, the ape's gonna be lonely because nobody's gonna be around the yeah. ape. Like you know, we can't keep up these pretenses. So when the monitor shuts off, power goes away. Moro's basically left. Uh, you know, all by herself. And it, I think, you know, this is one of the creatures from uh, the Master Builder Zoo. But, you know, it's, it's again, staking this theme of isolation. And it's just, 
it's so far and the fact that nothing on this planet is like really living it's nothing real so it's like this form of artificial isolation but it's very real i don't i don't know i just know this uh the part that we read the part that we read was uh, pretty depressing yeah it was um do you have any do you have any final thoughts on uh, like this part like anything of interest to you anything you're looking forward to <laughs> uh, I mean the writing's kind of on the wall like we know Chakas is going to fall I'm kind of interested to see what happens with Nevera um Chakas is like slowly taking to her um and just he's and he kind of promised Gamal Par like I'll look after her um and we didn't mention it, um, but Venever also had like uh, like an inkling, like she would get this like almost calling to uh, this drive um, to go back to the House of Pain. Like she almost felt like calling. She, she has this great fear of like running off, and she asked, she asked Chakas, like, if I start to try to leave, you have to kill me. You can't let me go back there. And Chakas is like, I, I, I can't promise you that I can do that. I can promise you I won't let it happen, but I can't promise you I can do that. So it was a very interesting line. So I'm kind of curious what's going to happen with her. Like, is she is she going to run off to the House of Pain? Is she going to throw herself into the primordial? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I know Chakas is going to fall, and we know that it's a monitor of him telling this story, you know, generations past. But uh, I just, how is it going to happen? Because... Right now, where we left it off, you're kind of like, oh, he's going off on his own, and he's standing up for himself, and he's, you know, he's doing his best to be, you know, get rid of this imprint that has been chosen for him, and I don't know. I I, I feel bad things are going to happen, but I'm just kind of curious how. I will say that uh, I don't remember what happens to Venever. Like, this point on, like, from here all the way to the end of Selenium, I don't, I don't know shit about anything. Like... The most I know from this book is I know what happens in the very end um, and, like, the monitor's name. That's all I know. And uh, so I don't remember what happens to Venevra. I don't exactly remember how Chaka's got in the position to become a monitor. Sure. Um, but, like, Salentium, no idea. Like, absolutely nothing so i'm really curious to see how this is gonna play out well, that's um, good at least you know it's not so bad that i remember everything It'd be a fun little fun little ride for oh you. yeah 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 so i mean i basically stopped reading almost every halo book after these books so i just because i was like i want to go in fresh yeah. i don't want to be ahead of anybody anymore well, um because if like I got to experience the end of this book with you at the same time it would both be like a what the fuck yeah you know? well what the it's, it's what is shit. after these I I may have mentioned it in a previous episode what does come after a silent um, silentium well there is a a book about the his history of the covenant that takes place in um like a couple thousand years couple hundred thousand years after okay. this um, and it also kind of takes place in modern day. But at that point, it's going to be kind of a conglomeration on how we want to do it because there's books before Reach, there's books after Reach, during Reach, and there's a point where a lot of the books like converge at the same time, so we're going to have that not really issue, but like a bigger yeah. paint stroke. But, I, I mean, I'll look at it, and I'll get it figured out. Maybe the good folks of Halo Twitter can... Uh, help us figure that out. There's like 200 of you listening. I'm sure one of you can message me. That'd be great. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> I'm not an expert on things chronological. All right. Well, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a truncated episode, but I think we covered all the points that we wanted to get out there that, you know, any of the stuff we hit yesterday. So what the fuck's going to happen to Chakas? Who knows? I don't fucking know. I don't know. I, I, I know, I know where I he ends say- up, but I don't know how it's going to happen. So, <laughs> I will say um, this weekend, yes, this weekend, this should be published today, the day of, um, I'm going to go watch some Spider-Man. Um, this weekend... Ben and I, the Primordian Historian, will be doing a Halo Infinite campaign review. Um, if he has it done, if not, I will update you via Twitter. I know a lot of you I know he on started there, it. But, uh, yeah, I haven't talked to him since then, I think. And uh, outside of that, I mean, we'll basically see you in two weeks. After we're done with the Forerunner Saga, like I said, there's a lot of events that happen with Reach, and Ben and I will be doing an episode on each mission. So you'll get... The game, the book, the game, the book. Every other week. So it'll be yeah. perfect. And Ben and I are also playing through CE right now, Combat Evolved, because you had mentioned there's some stuff that kind of just links this novel uh, with that. So I'm playing through that again. I, it's been a long time. I highly recommend uh, trying to finish it before you finish oh, this yeah. book. I know we're planning on finishing it this I mean, week. So. I also recommend um, during the last couple of chapters listening to the audiobook. Um because, like, the reveal that happens, like, the way they do it in the audiobooks, I think is really special. Yeah. Like, um, I give Halo a lot of shit because their audiobooks aren't as good as Star Wars audiobooks. But that one moment really sold me on just sure. everything. So I will say that. All right. I'll have to uh, look into that. Probably I got a re-kick of an Audible account. So maybe I'll use my free credit on that. Um all right, and then we got a new tagline that we sign off with, uh, thanks to the Primordian historian. Uh, a very fine and happy halo to you. Happy halo. Don't get depressed on Zeta halo. No. So we'll see you next time. Happy halo. <laughs>